This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I want to start a series this morning on, on something that uh, we preach many, many times. It's really one of those series uh, or subjects that uh, ought to be taught once a year. But we don't get around to it that often. But I want to teach on steps to answer prayer. Ephesians 6.18, Paul, inspired by the Holy Ghost, says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Notice that phrase, the first phrase in the first part of the verse, Praying always with all prayer. Praying always with all prayer. Other translations say all kinds of prayer or all manners of prayer. And the Bible is trying to get across to us. Paul is telling us by the Holy Ghost that there are a number of different ways to pray, different types of prayer to fit different situations. One thing that, uh, that the church has made a mistake doing, and it's been going on for hundreds of years, um, most Christians think that all prayer is prayer. They just think that, that prayer is just a general or generic thing, and it all works the same way, and many people follow what they are trying to follow, what they think Jesus set out as the pattern to pray when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prayed that the, this cup, he said, Father, if you were willing, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Well, a lot of the church world has thought that that's how we ought to pray every prayer. Church I grew up in, wonderful people, lovely people, denominational folks, operating in all the light that they had. They would pray every prayer, if it be thy will. Every prayer, if it be thy will. Well, folks, there's a lot of other times that Jesus prayed that we don't have any record that he said, if it be thy will. Jesus was praying a specific and a certain type of prayer that we might call the prayer of consecration or dedication. He was dedicating himself to the will of God, knowing the, the, uh, the anguish of the cross that was set before him. But it's impossible to pray the prayer of faith by saying, if it be thy will, because faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know what God's will is on a subject, then there's no way you can pray in faith about it. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The preceding verses in Romans chapter 10 tell us that there's no way we can believe on Jesus if we haven't heard of him. There's no way that we can accept him if we haven't heard because faith is produced by the hearing of the word. So there's a lot of people that are operating in the dark because they haven't taken the time to find out what God's word or God's will is on the subject. And so they have no means, they have no way, they have no possibility to reach out and receive what God has already provided for them through the sacrifice of Jesus. So this is telling us, Ephesians 6.18 is telling us that there are all different kinds of prayer, just like there are all different kinds of sports. Wouldn't it be silly if we tried to play baseball by basketball rules? Well, in the same way, different prayers have different or different ways to pray, different kinds of prayers, have different rules that govern them. James 5 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effectual fervent prayer means from the heart prayed effectively. 
Well, if you can pray effectively, then you can pray ineffectively. And that's where most of the church lives, praying ineffectively. Now, I want you to also turn with me to John chapter 15. Jesus is talking about how things will be after he goes to the cross. This is the last night he spent with his disciples. This is at the Last Supper that John gives us an eyewitness account or eyewitness testimony of. Notice what Jesus said in verse 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now we don't say ye and thee and thou and all that kind of stuff today. So anytime it's talking about or uses the word ye, it's talking about you. And notice how much of this prayer depends on you and not God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Notice God's happy with this. Verse 7 tells us, Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Your prayers being answered, and this is just one specific type of prayer. It's the prayer of faith. Your prayers being answered has more to do with you than it does God. That's why all the qualifications are about you and not God. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. God wants your prayers answered. He wants you to have answers to your prayer more than you want answers to your prayer. Well, then why doesn't God just make it happen? Because it depends on you and not him. So if we break down these principles, scriptural principles, to pray effectively or how to pray effectively or how to get your prayers answered, step number one has to be decide what you want from God. Now, I know that sounds simple, and it is probably oversimplified by just stating it that way because it's easy for us to pop off with just anything and everything that we want God to do for us based on how we feel at the moment. But that's not what I mean when it says decide what you want from God. Notice this prayer that's talked about in John 15, 7 and 8 is not you praying for somebody else. Now, there are times where we can pray the prayer of faith for other people, but not always. But you can always pray the prayer of faith for yourself, and you can always get an answer. Now, folks, if God is who he says that he is, if he never changes, if he's always good and only good, if he is who he says he is, then according to the Bible, you and I have been made able. It has been provided and arranged through the work of Jesus for us on our behalf so that we never go again without an unanswered prayer. It's not only possible, it's definitely defined and, and identified as the will of God that you bat a thousand in prayer. Well, I don't know many people that are doing that. Do you? Well, I wonder what people are doing trying to believe in something that's not working for them. But unfortunately, I think that's how too many Christians live. They don't have the answers. They don't seek the answers. They don't uh, uncover the answers 
to whatever their situation is. But they just keep going along, going through the motions, hoping someday, somehow, God will answer something. Well, you can readily understand how people come up with the idea that you can't ever tell what God's going to do. But the problem's not on God's end. The problem's on ours. So Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will. Well, you're going to have to decide what you will. You're going to have to decide what it is that you really want from your heart. Jesus said, and it shall be done unto you, and God gets glorified from that. So if we're going to establish principles for getting our prayers answered, we're going to have to decide, number one, what we want from God. And I suggest that you be specific. It's always amazed me. I heard Brother Hagin teach it for many years. But then I found the same thing to be true for me as well. It always amazes me how people just pray generally about stuff. But they're not specific about what they want. There have been times where I've asked people when they were praying, while they were praying, during a prayer meeting and such, what are you praying for? And the answers come back something like, well, I don't know. Well, if we don't know what we're praying about, how are we going to know when God answers the prayer? But again, that's the way a lot of Christians live, I guess, just thinking that God will bring to pass whatever he wants in your life. Some people will say, yeah, but God knows what I need. That's true. But Jesus, in teaching on prayer and God's care and provision for us, said, your heavenly Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. So he still wants us to ask. So just knowing that God knows what you need isn't enough. Folks, you need to understand something, and that is God does not answer prayer based on need. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Prayers are answered, and again, we're talking about this one specific kind of prayer, the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is answered based on faith, not need. Some people have the idea that because they're in such desperate situations, such desperate circumstances, that God will have to help them. But there were a lot of people in desperate circumstances that came to Jesus, and Jesus required faith of them. That's why your prayer getting answered has more to do with you than it does God. So if we're going to decide what we want from God, the next part of this first step is find scriptures that promise you what you want. Find scriptures that promise you what you want. And get those scriptures firmly fixed in your heart and not just in your mind. 
Whenever somebody comes to me, I've done it from the time that we started the church. I still do it now. I tell people I do it, so you should be fairly warned. Whenever somebody comes and wants me to pray for them, somebody wants me to come and agree with them, or whatever the case is, I'll always ask the same question, and that is, what scriptures are you standing on for your promise or for your answer? And so often, people will say, well, I, I don't have any in particular. Well, that's the kind of success they get in their prayer life. They receive nothing in particular and don't understand why it won't work. Turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Find scriptures that promise you what you want from God and put those scriptures on the inside of your heart, not just in your mind. For this purpose, to be ready to stand against the devil when he comes. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6, notice verse 12. Paul's writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. Timothy is the pastor of the church at Ephesus at this time that Paul writes to him. He's the pastor of the most famous church in the world. He's probably the pastor, or he is the pastor of what is probably the biggest church in the world in Ephesus. And notice what Paul said, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Folks, if you don't learn anything else, learn this. Faith is about fighting. Now, you're not fighting with people. The Bible tells us we don't war with flesh and blood. It doesn't even say fight about doctrine. It doesn't say fight about methods of baptism. It says fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, how is it that faith is identified as a good fight? Because faith will always work if you'll hold fast to it. If you won't turn loose, if you'll follow these steps diligently, nothing much works if you aren't diligent at it. If you'll follow these steps faithfully, you can get an answer to your prayer every time. Well, that's what makes the faith fight a good fight. You're guaranteed victory if you'll do your part. No matter what it looks like, no matter where you came from, no matter how, how desperate the situation may be, you can win every time. But so often people will hear things taught from the word. They'll hear something belongs to them, healing, financial blessing, whatever that Jesus provided for us along with or as a part of, inclusive of, salvation. And they don't realize that they're in for a fight. Notice what Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Now, he doesn't mean eternal life from the standpoint of getting saved. If Timothy isn't saved as a pastor of the church at Ephesus, they've got some big problems. He's not talking about getting saved. He's talking about laying hold of everything that belongs to us because of the eternal life that Jesus won for us through his sacrifice, the shedding of his blood. So the Holy Ghost inspires Paul to give us a principle whereby we can understand how everything works. You're going to have to fight a fight, the faith fight, to lay hold on what Jesus provided for you. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith to lay hold on healing. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith to lay hold on financial provision. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith to take hold of and receive anything and everything that Jesus provided for us. We know that we're saved by faith. By grace are you saved through faith, Ephesians 2.8 says. So everything is a fight when it comes to faith. 
Everything is a fight. And I know that doesn't sound real inviting. And a lot of people check out right there. Well, I don't want to fight. I'm not willing to fight. I'm not willing to stand in faith. And that's what the faith fight is, is to resist doubt and stand strong based on what God's word says. And a lot of people give up because they just don't want to experience that. But Jesus told us the same thing too. Matthew chapter 11, verse 17, Jesus said, from John the Baptist up until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. What violence is he talking about? What force is he talking about? He's talking about the violent position of refusing to be robbed by the devil of what belongs to us. He's talking about the force of faith that is necessary to receive anything and everything from God. So if you're going to, if you expect your prayer life and you're receiving things from God to be a real nice, gentle float down the streams of life on flowery beds of ease, you got another thought coming. And that's why some people give up. Some people, Jesus told us this when he was talking about the, the parable of the sower sowing the word, Mark chapter 4. He says, sometimes, some people, in some people's lives, the devil comes and attacks them. And they give up on the faith that they started with. And folks, there is always one underlying theme as far as the devil's work is concerned. Paul wrote to the church and said, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Well, Paul wasn't ignorant of them. But too many Christians are. They don't understand what Satan is trying to do. They don't understand his end game. And so they don't know what to expect. They don't prepare themselves with the word of God to get an answer to their prayer. Jesus, in explaining the parable of the sower sowing the word, starts off and says, the sower sows the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But Satan comes immediately to take the word out of their hearts. Folks, that's a principle that will work and apply to every situation we encounter in life. The devil is after one thing, and that is to take the word out of your heart, to take the word out of your spirit. Well, how's he going to be able to do that? He can't do that unless we give up on the word. But that's why we need to put the word on the inside of us. I think a lot of times we pray too quickly. We see a need, we're motivated by that need, so we just jump out there and say, Father, I believe for you to meet this need. But the better way to go, now I know there are some emergency situations which, that we have to take care of right away. I know there are some things like that, but those are generally the, or usually the exceptions rather than the rule. It works best for us when we take time and prepare ourselves with the Word, remind ourselves what the Word of God says. You may already know. You may be familiar with those scriptures, but it's good to go over them again and solidify them in your heart or in your spirit because that's what the devil's after. He's after the word of God that you put in your heart. He's after the word of God that you plant and deposit in your spirit. And it's interesting that Jesus said, even with the wayside, the types of, there were four types of ground that he described in that uh, parable of the sower sowing the word in Mark 4. Even the first type of ground says that the word of God was sown, had been sown in the hearts of that type of people. And Satan comes immediately to take it out. 
He comes immediately to take it out. The implication, folks, is that since the word of God was sown in those hearts, if Satan hadn't been able to remove it, then they could have been victorious. They could have received what God had for them. Now, there's one and only one way for you to put, your, put the word of God in your heart. There's only one way, and we find that way in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua is taking over for Moses, which are some pretty big shoes to fill. Remember, Moses went up on the mountain, and everybody saw the storm and the lightnings and the fire falling from heaven and the smoke and the thunder and everything else that was taking place while Moses was on top of that mountain, Mount Sinai. And they concluded that nobody could live through that. But he did. He stood face to face with God, the Bible says. And Joshua has to follow him up. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been a little bit timid about that. So God had to tell him some things. He had to tell him. He had to reveal to him. I'll be with you just like I was with Moses. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And he commanded him to have courage. Be strong and of good courage. Now, again, I think people misunderstand the way God operates. If God tells Joshua, which he did, that no man will be able to stand before him all the days of his life, why does he need courage? That would have just been the time to rejoice and say, bless God, I've got it made. But nobody being able to stand before Joshua all the days of his life had everything to do with Joshua's strength and his courage to go stand against the enemy. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, where the Lord says, the battle is not yours, it's mine. And I think one of the things that appeals to me about that story from a natural standpoint is that God said he'd do all the fighting. But he still required them to go out against their enemies the next day. Now, I don't know about you, but I would much prefer for God just to do my fighting while I'm laying on the couch. Don't worry, I'll give him glory for it. I'll praise him for the answer. I'll give him all the credit for it. But let's just skip that part where I have to go out against the enemy. But it's never that way. Never that way. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, here's what God tells him to do to be strong and of good courage. Here's what he tells him to do. Here's what he instructs him to do that will bring victory in every case, in every situation. He says, this book of the law, that's all the word of God they had back then. So he's talking about God's word. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Shall not depart out of your mouth. Shall not depart out of your mouth. How do you keep words from not departing out of your mouth? As soon as you say something, it's gone. How do you keep it from departing out of your mouth? You say it again. Yeah, but then that goes away. So you say it again. And then when that leaves your lips, you say it again. And again, and again, and again. Now notice what he wants him to do and why. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. The word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Notice what God defines meditation as. Speaking the word over and over and over 
and over and over. Are you getting anointed yet? Do you see the point? He's saying meditation is speaking the word into your own heart, into your own spirit. Now, sometimes people get uh, all bugged about the word meditate, and they think of Eastern religion type stuff where somebody's sitting in a lotus position with their eyes closed humming or something or whatever they do. I don't know. But meditation, Bible meditation, is not about emptying your mind. It seems to me a lot of Christians have been successful at that, however. <laughs> but that's not what Bible meditation is. It's not emptying your mind of anything. It's filling your spirit with the Word of God. Now, that will certainly affect your mind. Because the more of you, the Word of God you put or speak into your spirit, the more you will begin to think in line with what God's Word says. So meditation, defined as by the Scripture, defined by God Himself, is to speak the Word of God into your own heart. Now you may remember over in Mark chapter 4, verse 26, again where Jesus is explaining to His disciples about the, the parable of the sower sowing the Word. And that's such an important story because Jesus said it's the key to unlock the mysteries of all the mysteries of the kingdom of God. He said, if you understand this parable, you'll be able to understand everything there is about the kingdom of God. That means you'll be able to take hold of everything that Jesus has purchased for us and provided for us. And Mark chapter 4, verse 26 says this. Jesus said this. He said, the whole of the kingdom of God is as if a man would plant seed in the ground. Now, the ground he's just talked about is the heart, the human heart, the human spirit. So he says, the whole of the kingdom of God is about speaking God's word into your own spirit. He says, the guy rises every morning, goes to bed at night, goes about his daily activities, his daily life, and the word sown in his heart produces, he doesn't even know how. That means every situation you and I encounter for ourselves. Now, again, it doesn't apply to everybody else. Or it doesn't apply to us praying for everybody else is what I mean. It applies to everybody that takes hold of it. But where our situations are concerned, every one of those situations can be turned to victory by speaking the word into your heart. Every one. Every one. James said it this way. James says... That a man that's able to control his tongue, he uses the word bridle, but he's talking about controlling it like we control horses by putting bits in their mouths. He said a man that can, learns to control his tongue can control his whole body, can control everything about his flesh. It all comes down to the same thing, and that is speaking the Word of God, saying what God's Word says. Jesus defined the prayer of faith by saying, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Don't let your circumstances take you away from believing and confessing what you prayed to receive. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. And somebody might say, Well, this pancreas just started producing insulin again. But that's not the way it works, folks. Well, isn't it an interesting coincidence that he got exactly what he said? He got exactly what he said. 
Now, in Bible terms, that means God honored his faith. What he said was his faith speaking. Folks, faith will do anything. Faith will produce everything. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Again, and again, and again, and again. Now notice what he wants him to do and why. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. The word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Notice what God defines meditation as. Speaking the word over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> Are you getting anointed yet? Do you see the point? He's saying meditation is speaking the word into your own heart, into your own spirit. Now, sometimes people get... Uh, all bugged about the word meditate and they think of eastern religion type stuff where somebody's sitting in a lotus position with their eyes closed humming or something or whatever they do i don't know but meditation bible meditation is not about emptying your mind it seems to me a lot of christians have been successful at that however <laughs> but that's not what bible meditation is it's not emptying your mind of anything it's filling your spirit with the Word of God. Now, that will certainly affect your mind because the more of you, the Word of God you put or speak into your spirit, the more you will begin to think in line with what God's Word says. So meditation, defined as by the Scripture, defined by God Himself, is to speak the Word of God into your own heart. Now, you may remember over in Mark chapter 4, verse 26, Again, where Jesus is explaining to his disciples about the, the parable of the sower sowing the word. And that's such an important story because Jesus said it's the key to unlock the mysteries of all the mysteries of the kingdom of God. He said, if you understand this parable, you'll be able to understand everything there is about the kingdom of God. That means you'll be able to take hold of everything that Jesus has purchased for us and provided for us. And Mark chapter 4, verse 26 says this, Jesus said this. He said, the whole of the kingdom of God is as if a man would plant seed in the ground. Now, the ground he's just talked about is the heart, the human heart or the human spirit. So he says, the whole of the kingdom of God is about speaking God's word into your own spirit. He says, the guy rises every morning, goes to bed at night, goes about his daily activities, his daily life, and the word sown in his heart produces he doesn't even know how. That means every situation you and I encounter for ourselves. Now, again, it doesn't apply to everybody else. Or it doesn't apply to us praying for everybody else is what I mean. It applies to everybody that takes hold of it. But where our situations are concerned, every one of those situations can be turned to victory by speaking the word into your heart. Everyone. Everyone. James said it this way. James says that a man that's able to control his tongue, he uses the word bridle, but he's talking about controlling it like we control horses by putting bits in their mouths. He said a man that can, learns to control his tongue 
can control his whole body, can control everything about his flesh. It all comes down to the same thing, and that is speaking the Word of God, saying what God's Word says. Jesus defined the prayer of faith by saying, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Don't let your circumstances take you away from believing and confessing what you prayed to receive. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. And somebody might say, well, this pancreas just started producing insulin again. But that's not the way it works, folks. Well, isn't it an interesting coincidence that he got exactly what he said? He got exactly what he said. Now, in Bible terms, that means God honored his faith. What he said was his faith speaking. Folks, faith will do anything. Faith will produce everything. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.